Welcome back to the MLB.com StatCast podcast. I'm your host, Mike Petriello, joined here by MLB.com national editor Matt Myers. We have almost made it through another long, cold winter. Opening day is tomorrow, at least from where we stand here on Wednesday afternoon. And we are going to do the same kind of season preview show that we've done each of the last two years. 30 StatCast facts for 30 teams, but there are two of us, so that's actually 60 facts. We have both come up with an interesting StatCast fact about each team. Uh, and that's how we're going to go through it. We're going to go through and kind of just pick out something cool and interesting about each of these teams, make our predict- predictions, and then tomorrow there will be real live actual baseball. Finally. Couldn't be more excited. Uh, the offseason is terrible. <laughs> I'm ready for baseball tomorrow. Uh, and uh, this is this is like my favorite annual show that we do, so I'm excited to do this. And before we start, I want to at least give a tip, a tip of the cap to our uh, research crew, uh, Andrew Simon, David Adler, Matt Kelly, and uh, Sarah Langs, who just joined our group, who did a fantastic job putting together a notes packet that I'll admit I cribbed a large portion of my notes from. Mike <laughs> was far more original and, you know, probably went and got his own, but most of mine were kind of cribbed from their notes. So uh, thanks to them. I was thinking about this. You know, usually we kind of start and it's like, okay, American League East, right? We'll start with the team. Um, Everybody does that. We're going to go off the radar here. We're going to we're going to put our East Coast bias in a sack for a second. We're going to start with the National League West. Let's go backwards, uh, as it were. And within the division, we'll do these in alphabetical order. And then at the end, uh, we'll each make uh, some predictions for the upcoming season. So the first team in the National League West, the Arizona Diamondbacks, my number, which has, I think, slightly more relevance than it did like two days ago, is 90th percentile. And that is David Peralta's hard hit rate. Uh, in 2018. So he had a 46% hard hit rate. That's percentage of balls hit 95 miles an hour or more. And that's really cool, I think, for a guy who uh, was, a, was a pitcher coming up, a converted pitcher to the outfielder, uh, was still in indie ball at age 25. This guy had a 90th percentile hard hit rate, hit 30 home runs last year. And that's suddenly far more important now that Steven Souza destroyed his knee, uh, tore pretty much everything you can tear, which is horrible. And if you saw the video, it did not look good. And um, that's a really big blow to the Diamondbacks. But David Peralta, I think, is somewhat underrated. We don't talk about him enough. I think that's really cool. That's a lot of hard hit balls. For sure. He's kind of one of those guys where people talk with the Diamondback. I'm kind of down on them. And then you remember that he's he's kind of goes under the radar, as you said, and like they're probably maybe better than people think, although maybe not now with his injury. Um, but he's a reason. If you're kind of bullish on the Diamondbacks, he's kind of a reason why. Absolutely. What do you got? Uh, 134. That is the 134 strikeouts that Zach Godley had on his curveball last year, which was the most in the majors, ahead of even Herman Marquez at 129. Uh, his 40.3% curve rate was the second highest in MLB behind Lance McCullers uh, Jr. So he's very likely going to have the highest curve rate in baseball this year uh, with McCullers not pitching. Uh, Godley had kind of a down year last year. His ERA went way up after kind of a quote-unquote breakout 2017. But clearly the curveball is still uh, an interesting weapon. The most strikeouts in baseball on the curve. I don't think I would have ever guessed that from Zach Godley. That's cool. I like, I like that one a lot. Uh, moving on to the Colorado Rockies, and it looks like we both have Kyle Freeland facts here. I should have gone with Marquez uh, because he is like one of my favorites. I've talked about him a lot, and I should point out, we received the official MLB pronunciation guide for every player recently, and I've always kind of said like Herman Marquez. If you look at it closely, it actually says Hairman, specifically says Hairman Marquez, so that's what I'm going to be calling him for the rest of the year. And I will come up with, an, while you tell your your Freeland fact, I will come up with another it's Rockies okay. fact to, say, hey. no, to satisfy our... our are in the interest of making sure every team is represented with something unique. Because these facts are kind of similar. I'll come up with a quick one. You, okay. Uh, you... Well, Kyle Freeland was very, very good last year, obviously. My fact for Kyle Freeland is 33%. And that is the percentage of his pitches that were thrown to the inside or outside edges of the strike zone. Uh, that is the second highest in baseball last year behind Bartolo Colon. Please, somebody sign Bartolo Colon. I'm not ready to be done with Bartolo Colon. But I think that uh, makes a ton of sense for a guy like Freeland, right? He's not dominating, hits his spots. So if Bartolo Colon does not return, that means Freeland will have had the highest percentage of pitches thrown to the inside or outside edges. That's perfect. I love it. Yeah, you, you look at you, you look at Freeland and try and wonder, hey, can he repeat last year? Doesn't The peripherals don't match up to the whatever, 2.6. He, he can repeat last year and still have like a 380 ERA, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's. I was looking up some of the numbers on him and basically like – it's the it's the Dallas Keuchel profile. So like if you're hoping he's like kind of like the good the good Dallas Keuchel, basically keep the ball down and away, really play on the corners, and there's no. If I take the over under, the ERA is going to be over what it was last year. Oh, of course. But uh, still, could be an effective pitcher. Our uh, next team is the. Uh, no, I'm I'm going with my Rockies. Oh, got, sorry. You know we, we started talking about Kyle Freeland and then. I... My number uh, is 76. As okay. in, 
From 2015 to 2018, Nolan Arenado has 76 home runs on inside pitches. That is the inner third of the strike zone. That is by far the most in the majors. By far, by how much? Do you have that, Andy? He has 20 more than Giancarlo Stanton, who has 56 home runs on such pitches. That is really interesting. Yes. Don't throw the ball inside uh, to Nolan Arenado. Next team would be the Los Angeles Dodgers. My number here is 250. That is Walker Bueller's expected weighted on base on his four-seam fastball. That is the best of any major league starter on their four-seam fastball last year. That's really cool. He obviously had kind of a breakout second half. I think he's like a trendy Cy Young pitch. Uh, Expected weighted on base, we'll use this one a lot. It's a combination of amount of contact allowed and quality of contact allowed. 250, that is the best of any major league starting pitcher's four-seam fastball. Go Walker Buehler. Yeah, sticking with Dodgers pitchers, uh, Ross Stripling last year, um, I'm going with 0.39. That's the difference between his expected weight on base and actual weight on base, 270 to 309. That was the largest like negative or positive difference, negative difference, depending on how you want to look at so, it. So his expected was 270 and his actual was 309. Basically, so he actually out, outpitched the what he got. Basically, yes. More than any other pitcher, based on Expoba and Woba, he, he outpitched his – his results more than any other pitcher in baseball with 500 batters face. Rush Dribbling was an all-star last year, and if all the Dodgers starters were healthy, he would not have had a rotation job. Now he's going to get some starts because Kershaw is hurt. Bueller's going to be on the IL. Um, they have so much depth. It's like an absolute... And, he's, and Stripling's this guy who they sort of go back and forth between... Former podcast guest, yeah. Ross Stripling. <laughs> but like, uh, goes back and forth between like starting and relieving. Just a really versatile, useful, valuable uh, uh, player. Moving on to the Padres, and uh, I should note here that you know Matt and I did these separately, and I did not look at any of Matt's, uh, and I don't know if you did for mine, but I'm really enjoying the fact, as I'm seeing this for the first time, that we both have a, a hard hit rate metric for the Padres here, because that team is going to destroy baseballs. Mine is 48%. That is the hard hit rate of one Fran Mil Reyes, and I imagine a lot of you know the Fran Mil Reyes story, but I don't think he's a household name just yet. 48% is really good. That was the 24th best of 328 guys with 100 balls in play. Um, This team is going to mash. I don't know if they can pitch. I like Chris Paddock. I don't know if they're going to be good, but I'm going to watch so much San Diego baseball just for guys like Franchi Cordero and Reyes and Manny Machado. And uh, now Tatis is going to make the opening day roster. Uh, Hosmer, fine, whatever. Like This is going to be a really, really fun team. Yes, no question about it. And uh, my my, uh, Padres fact is 956. As in 956 hard-hit balls that Manny Machado has since StatCast began. Those are batted balls with an exit velocity of 95 miles per hour or greater. That is by far the most in the majors in that time. It is 91 more than Mookie Betts, who is second with 865. That speaks to a few things. That speaks to the fact that Machado hits the ball hard a lot, and he stays in the lineup. He he has taken, I believe, the most plate appearances in that time as well. Um, He's going to hit 1,000 soon. Right, we should pay attention first, to this. First to a thousand, hard a hit thousand hard hit balls. We should get a real of like you know one hard hit ball every tenth a mile, of a second. Good milestone to look for. The final team in the National League West uh, would be the San Francisco Giants, and if you know me, you're not surprised I'm going towards the bullpen because I think their bullpen is super fun and cool. 90th percentile or better. That's my stat here, and it's for Reyes Maranta. And all of these things I'm about to say, he ranked in the 90th percentile or better. Fastball velocity, fastball spin, strikeout rate, exit velocity, expected weighted on base, hard hit rate, expected batting average, expected slugging percentage. Reyes Maranta, definitely not a household name, absolutely dominating. And as I went through a couple weeks ago, uh, one part of what I think is a really interesting bullpen. Yeah, if the Giants are going to kind of surprise people, it's going to be because they may have like the sneaky best bullpen in the game. Uh, in the National League. I'm still going Yankees. So. Sneaky best. Okay. I'm saying like okay. sort of like kind of like under the under the radar. Um, for me, I'm going with 90%, as in Joe Panic had a 90% contact rate, which is the highest in MLB last year, minimum 500 swings, just ahead of Michael Brantley at 89.2%. I bring it up just because with the strikeout trends in baseball, it's kind of fun to see other people, to see some players who still kind of cut against the grain and have a little bit of a different approach. So contact hitters kind of, to me, suddenly become more interesting. I, I actually agree with you uh, quite a bit on that. Um, so that's the National League West. I imagine we're both picking the Dodgers here. I'm going to go in this order. Dodgers, Rockies. Uh, Diamondbacks, Padres, Giants. I am taking the Padres over the Diamondbacks. But otherwise, you're still picking Dodgers, Rockies. Um, yes, Dodgers, Rockies. So Padres third. And I mean, the Padres are fast. I mean, I was actually looking on our pipeline rankings today at some of their, their pitching prospects, and they have so many good pitching prospects, but a few of them still have the two, 2020 ETA. Yeah. So some of the, if they if they really break out, you might see them this year. But even like Mackenzie Gore, he pitched at low A last year 
and miss some time. Right. It's still had like a four ERA. Like, so even if you're like super excited, it's like where was Adrian Morjohn? He was like yeah, I think high A double A. So it's like you know it's probably a year early for them to compete for a playoff spot. Probably. Right. Just look at the pitching staff they have, but then again, they still have Perdomo and Triple A. So. Oh well, there you go. There's the biggest star. <laughs> um, what they really need is good odd year Eric Hosmer. Um, which would be a boost that too so yeah i'm going dodgers rockies padres diamondbacks uh, yeah about the same i i picked arizona over san diego slightly just because i like their pitching better granky ray uh merrill kelly is interesting archie bradley you know better pitching not as much offense obviously uh let's go let's keep going backwards we're gonna go to the national league central we're gonna start with the cubs and my number i think this is kind of a cool one it is 27 percent that is chris bryant's hard hit rate from June 1st on. Now, if you're wondering where 27% ranks, and the answer is poorly. That was 288th of 328 guys with 100 batted balls, similar to Cedric Mullins. Extra points if you know who Cedric Mullins is or what team he plays for. Orioles. Orioles. Thank you for that. Um, It was 39% before June 1st. Now, I think most of you know the answer for that. He hurt his shoulder, tried to play through it. The power just totally disappeared. He was on another, like I think for the first month or two, like another MVP you know, pace season. He's fantastic. Um, And a big part of, I think, the Cubs, I hate to say failure. They won 95 games, you know, but obviously it was a disappointment season for them. Um, So if he's back and it seems like this spring, the shoulder seems fine, he's going to have a big season. I think people are underrating the Cubs slightly because they did absolutely nothing this winter. But if you get the old Chris Bryant back, that's a pretty big boost. I think that in my official predictions in our MLB.com predictions, I picked Paul Goldschmidt for an MVP, but if you ask me today, I might actually say Chris Bryant. That's good. I like that. That's a good one. Um, my Cubs fact is 57.7%, as in Javi Baez's swing rate. That was the second highest swing rate in majors only to Corey Dickerson, 59.3. Now, what's interesting to this about me, the, to this for me, is that Baez's swing rate has gone up every year of his career. And he had an amazing year last year. He, he's Ever since he came into the year, came into the league, he's had this reputation for being this hacker. And the idea was like, oh, he's going to swing his way out of the league. Like, he just has no play discipline. Yet he's continued to swing more and more each year. And he seems to be getting better each year. It was basically MVP last year. So, Javi Baez, keep doing what you do because it's working. Uh, yeah, I, I was so fascinated by him having, like, you always thought if he was going to have that year, it was going to be because he had some plate discipline. He stopped going after everything. No, he just decided to kill the ball anyway. I thought that was really cool. The Cincinnati Reds, my number here is 593. And I think I did take this one from uh, Andrew Simon and the team in the stats packet that they generated. 593 is Yasiel Puig's slugging percentage against non-fastballs. That was the highest in the National League. That's kind of cool because I also think of Puig as a guy who goes after like sliders in the dirt. So if you're just taking out fastballs and you're looking at, at non-fastballs, you know, curveballs, sliders, etc., nobody slugged better than Yasiel Puig in the National League. That was really like shocking to me. And maybe a reason why the Reds are going to be pretty interesting? The, interesting, yes. Good. I'm not sure. But yes, interesting. I agree. Um Yes. Uh, my fact is 105, as in Luis Castillo led the majors in strikeouts on changeups last year, ahead of Kyle Hendricks at 103. Luis Castillo had 165 strikeouts total, and 105 of them came on the changeups. Talk about like an absolute strikeout pitch. And it's funny because I think of Luis Castillo, I think of a guy who throws pretty hard. He throws like 96, 97, but he's clearly using the fastball to set up the change to strike you out. I'm just thinking now that the Marlins could have had Luis Castillo and Chris Paddock in their rotation this year. That's neither here nor there, but that is a thing that could have happened. And who did they trade? I know Paddock was in the like Fernando Rodney trade yeah. from the Marlins Padres, and who did the Marlins trade to get? I, I, I'm not 100% sure on this. I'm 90% sure, but I think it was Dan Straley who they just cut like three days ago. I think that sounds about right. Um, not great. Not what yeah. you want. Pittsburgh Pirates. 185 is my number for the Pittsburgh Pirates. 185 is Joe Musgrove's expected weighted on base on his changeup, second best among all starting pitchers. The Pirates, I think, have had a disappointing offseason, but their rotation is sneaky good. Like, Archer is still pretty good. I think Jameson Tyon's going to be really good. Trevor Williams had that monster stretch at the end of last season. But Joe Musgrove is always a guy I've kind of liked a lot. That changeup, uh, it may not be Luis Castillo, but it was really good. The, the the way that the Pirates are built is actually not that dissimilar from the Indians. Their high-end talent isn't as good, but, like, they're pitching. They basically have really strong starting pitching, and I'll get to my starting yeah. pitching in a second. But not as good, right? I would take Cleveland's rotation over Pittsburgh. Yeah, but P- P- Pittsburgh, it's it's pretty deep, and it's pretty good. And Gong is cut is a big X factor because he's – you don't want to put too much, too much uh, stock in spring training, but he's back. He looked very good in spring tra- training, and like they might have just added kind of like an all-star caliber player, just kind of like I I guess their their lineup is is pretty boring to me. I think. Yeah, like, I mean, it also depends on pl- when when Plonko comes back. Yeah, and 
I'm not. I, I think they're probably going to finish fifth in that division. Yeah. But it just speaks to why that division is so good. Oh, they're for actually sure. a pretty good team. Uh, my fact is 446. Chris Archer has led the majors in strikeouts on sliders over the last three seasons ahead of uh, Patrick Corbin at 401. So 446 to 401. I'm kind of believing a little bit of a Chris Archer bounce back. He had a career high 338 betting average on balls of play against last year. He's going to be in the National League, going to face pitchers. I think the overall arc of his line, he's been pretty consistent the last few years, like basically like an ERA just above four and a FIP a little bit high. Like been kind of the same guy. I'm not sure why. Just called a hunch. I'm expecting, you know, maybe that ERA below 3-5 this year. Let me put you on the spot for a minute. Who's going to have a better season this year, Chris Archer or Tyler Glasnow? I mean – there's, I think, no, there's no depends. Well, no, here's I think Glasnow will be more dominant on a primary yeah. basis, but I think in war, Archer will provide more because I think he's going to pitch. I think Glasnow's going to probably be a four or five inning pitcher. Yeah. Archer's the kind of guy who could be a regular six and seven. So I think there might be a gap of, could easily, even if both stay healthy, be a gap of, of 40 to 50 innings pitched, and where I think Archer will be good enough to sort of like in total value, but it sort of depends what you're trying to get. I'm just saying, like, that's why I'm hedging a little bit. Like, because if you're the Rays, you want the way you built your team is I yeah. want the dominant four to five inning guy. I love that trade for the Rays. I think it looks good of them. I agree with you. Uh, Pirates, probably fifth. That's not really a dig on the Pirates. It is, it's credit to the strength of the division. Um, Milwaukee Brewers, 99th percentile is my fact. That would be Corbin Burns' fastball spin rate four seam fastball spin rate it was really good last year uh he allowed a 176 batting average against a 221 weighted on base against he had uh, 30 games as a reliever last year a 261 era and he's going to be a starter this year they have a couple of interesting starter types like jimmy nelson seems like he's coming back freddie peralta is so much fun like we've talked about him a lot the extension the deception and then you've got corbin burns and you've got woodruff, woodruff and, who's also got that weird yeah pitch. they're, they're like, going to be really interesting i mean i know everybody wants them to you know they probably should have gotten keichel or another starter i guess they still could i guess they still could um but they're they're interesting uh my my fact uh, my, my number for them is 22 lorenzo kane who turns 33 in april Led the majors last year with 22 outs above average. That's our uh, outfield metric for you know basically measuring outfield defense on 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 catching fly balls. Essentially, yeah, range basically. Uh, exactly, it's, it's range measure. Now, what I also found interesting in this is he was the only guy in the top five in that category. The other four being Ender Inciarte, Harrison Bader, Billy Hamilton, and Adam Engel, who played last year above the age of 27. He's like so far, like in terms of like you know his defense has aged so like kind of like. A, like unnaturally it's like so amazingly it's 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 you're not supposed to be still be this good in the outfield at his age it's really it's really remarkable the, the age thing is cool i hadn't realized that but that's a perfect stat because it leads directly into my st louis cardinals fact uh which is 20 harrison bader outs above average last year tied for third right behind kane and inciarte but he did it in 270 fewer innings than kane and 450 fewer innings than ender inciarte and he actually hit a little bit too right so i think uh you know for the cardinals they if you remember their opening day outfield last year, it was probably like Ozuna, Fam, and Fowler, I guess. Yeah. And they ended up kind of redoing their outfield a little bit, and Bader was a big part of that. So I think um, I think I picked the Cardinals to win this division, and I think Bader hopefully is going to be a big piece of it. We've talked about him before. I don't expect him to hit nearly as well as he did last year, but even if he's your number eight or nine hitter with that defense, he'll still be an asset. Um, my fact is 16, as in Marcelo Zuna tied with uh, Trey Mancini and Ke- Nick Castellanos for the most barrels for outs. Barrels, as we've talked about before, this is a stat cast metric for basically like ball with a high probability of being an extra base hit. Perfect combination of exit velocity and launch angle. So Ozuna had a bit of a weird down year last year, but most of that was really just bad results in the first couple months. He's had some shoulder injuries. Second half, he was much better. The yeah. expected numbers were much better. I think he's in for a big year. He might end up... I, like with the way that guys are signing extensions, he may end up next year in the free agent class being like one of the guys in next year's free agent yeah, class. Yeah, I think the shoulder affected him in ways we don't have a great way of measuring yet because you're right. The first half was a disaster. Second half was pretty good. Um, but he was totally incapable of making throws. Remember a couple of years ago, we started measuring Kelly Leak plays. We should have done that last year for Bader because nobody was letting Marcelo Zuna throw a ball back. And there. I don't think his, his arm strength is ever going to be back, but I think he's going to hit. All right, uh, National League Central, I went... What did I do? I just don't have them in front of me, so I'm doing this from memory now. I think I went Cardinals, Cubs, Brewers, Reds, Pirates. I went, uh, or should I, I say I'm going Cubs, Cardinals, Brewers, 
red pirates. So basically just kind of Cubs or Cardinals at the top. I think yeah. that's fair. I, I mean, I, th- I like the Cardinals uh, young pitching. I think Hicks is going to be great. I think Flaherty is going to be great. I think Andrew Miller was a good addition. And, you know, Paul Goldschmidt, really, really good. So I'm, I don't think they're going to dominate, but I'm kind of in on the Cardinals. Yeah, and as a teaser, we're going to get a bonus Cardinals fact in – my Marlins fact. What? We'll get to in a second. Oh, wow. I can't wait. Okay. National League East, uh, the Atlanta Braves. Freddie Freeman, so my number is 155. Freddie Freeman had 155 hard hit line drives and fly balls, most in the majors. Right? Hitting the ball hard is cool. Hitting the ball hard on the ground isn't as cool. Hosmer, Desmond, etc. Hitting the ball in the air is awesome. He did it more than anybody, uh, but it was interesting he didn't hit an enormous amount of home runs. It seems like, you know, he kind of had a lot of these dying on the warning track. I don't know if that was like a change in, you know, the spin off the ball. Like I'm sure there's a reason for it, but he was still hitting the ball really hard. And uh, he is like consistently an MVP candidate for a Braves team. that I think is going to need a big year because they are in another really tough division. For sure. Um, speaking of the Braves, uh, my number is 28 as in Ronald Acuna had 28 barrels, which we did just defined uh, 28 barrels after the break, which was third most in baseball after NL MVP, Christian Yelich who had 35 and Chris with a K Davis, who had 32. Ronald Acuna is my NL MVP pick this oh, year. I, salty. I, I like that. I spent, <laughs> I spent more money on him in fantasy than any other hitter. So <laughs> I'm really kind of putting my money where, money where my mouth is in, uh, in, uh, in uh, making, you know, in, 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 in talking him up. But I think that, like, for the Braves to kind of, like, I, I, we've talked about this a couple of weeks ago, I think. I think he's the best player in the National League right now. And, um, that's the difference maker for the Braves for me this year. I, I like that MVP pick. That's not what I went. We can do those when we get to the end, the end of the NL. But um, I actually like that one a lot. The Miami Marlins and their fancy new uniforms, plus 5.5 is my number. That would be miles per hour added to Adam Conley's four-seam fastball from 2017 to 2018. It is, as far as we can tell, the largest single-season velocity bump on record in the pitch tracking era, five and a half miles an hour. Now, unsurprisingly he went from being a starting pitcher to a relief pitcher so that was certainly part of it but i really think he's got you know the potential to break out as a really interesting reliever uh he still had a 409 era last year but his expected weighted on base dropped from a very bad 361 to a slightly better than league average 301 so he is a guy i don't think people talk about um but i see that kind of velocity increase and that definitely catches my eye for sure my number for the marlins is 197 Tehran Guerrero had 197 pitches above 100 miles an hour last year. That was second most in the majors and 20 more than Aroldis Chapman, who no longer has the title of fastest fastball. We might, need to, we might need to change the Chapman filter that's on the side. <laughs> but the number, the number one player in pitches over 100 miles an hour, Jordan Hicks. What? 659. <laughs> How is that even possible? Because basically all he throws is I, fastballs. I, this isn't exactly right because I don't have it in front of me, but I looked it up the other day. And I think Jordan Hicks was responsible for like, 52% of all triple digit fastballs in baseball last year just by himself. And there, is, and there are actually a lot of guys who throw 100 these days. Yeah. This is not like 10 years ago where there was like one guy who did it and he like and it was Chapman when he got in the league and he was a novelty. Now there are like, you know, 20 guys who do it. I'm so. glad I'm glad we were able to get a uh, Teron Guerrero fact in here. Um I think I probably talked about him too much last year. The New York Mets, my fact here is or uh, my number here is 235. That would be Zach Wheeler's expected weighted on base on two-seam fastballs slash sinking, sinking fastballs. Best among major league starting pitchers. It was a really good pitch, and it was interesting because he used it more and more. In April, he used it only 3% of the time. In August, he used it 26% of the time. And Wheeler had a really like phenomenal breakout season. It's hard to count on him just because of his history. But if you get the best versions of DeGrom and Syndergaard and Wheeler and Mats, that is something else. Now, it's hard to count on that. They have no depth whatsoever behind that. But that is, I think, what the Mets have to count on. And Wheeler's sinker is a big part of that puzzle. For sure. Uh, my number for the Mets is uh, very timely because they just apparently they just announced today that Pete, Pete Alonso, their top prospect, uh, is going to be on the opening day roster. My number is 116.3, as in 116.3 miles per hour, which uh, a batted ball that Pete Alonso had last year in the Arizona Fall League, which is a higher exit velocity than any ball any Met has hit in a regular season game in the stack cast day. So immediately <laughs> coming in, he's going to basically be the hardest hitting guy in the Mets and one of the hardest hitting guys uh, in the majors. And we saw people who watched the Futures game last year saw him hit that like moon Oh, yeah, I was at that. Yeah. 113 miles per hour. So he is going to be fun to watch. It's been pretty It's been pretty funny to see like the discussion about like, oh, should the Mets, you know, keep him down for a while and get an extra year of team control. And I think, you know, Brody Van Wagen had a great quote today where he said, if Alonzo stays in the major for six consecutive se- consecutive seasons, then great. It's a high-class problem. Basically saying, 
if this guy is still good when he's 30, like, we'll deal with it. I mean, he's not – this is not Vlad Jr. we're talking about. He's 24 years old. He's a right, right first baseman, lumbering guy, not the kind of guy who ages well. He might never be better than he is right now. I think it makes yeah. all sorts of sense for the message to say, he's our best yeah. option right now. Let's put him on the team. I, I agree. He is a luxury class Mark Trumbo. I, I think that's about right. And um, Dom Smith also made the opening day roster. Is that what I saw? Like that's going to kind of be an interesting thing. You don't actually want Dom Smith in the outfield, do you? No, I think that it'll be like a pseudo platoon. I don't think it's going to be a straight platoon because um, that would really limit Alonzo's at-bats. But I think as long as Frazier and Lowry are on the injured list. Um, but then I think once one of those guys are ready, they'll send down whoever's yeah. playing, these, uh, you know, playing playing worse. These problems always sort themselves out. Exactly. Philadelphia Phillies, my number here is 326. That is Nick Pavetta's batting average allowed on ground balls, third highest in Major League Baseball. If you look at all of his batted balls, not just grounders, his 40-point gap between his 221 expected average and his 261 actual average was the largest of anybody in baseball. Uh, we dug into this very deep a couple weeks ago. The Phillies defense just crushed him far worse than it did like Aaron um, Nola or uh, Jake Arrieta. And he is on, I think, pretty much everybody's breakout list, like high spin curveball, got a lot of strikeouts, defense killed him. He limits a couple of those home runs, gets a little bit better defense. He might be better than Arietta this year. Would not would not surprise me one bit. Uh, my number for the Phillies is 41.5%. That uh, That's the percentage of pitches that Bryce Harper saw in the strike zone last year, which was the lowest in baseball. So, you know, you, there's these polls that come out every year. You know, there was a poll in The Athletic yesterday, most overrated player in baseball, Bryce Harper. Of course. Like, got like 60% of the votes. It's like, well, pitchers certainly don't think he's overrated. I saw one quote that said he's had one good year. And it's like, come on. He's had one great year. I'll buy that. But he's had a lot of good years. There's reasons that, you know, like, you know, by war, he's actually been pretty underwhelming the last couple of years. But the proof is in the pudding. Pitchers fear the guy. Yeah. What I also find interesting is that number two on that list is Javier Baez, one of the biggest free swingers. So basically, if the, like one of the most disciplined hitters is number one because basically people don't want to challenge him. And then you have two Javier Baez because guys are like, well, I can throw him anything and get him out. But uh, interesting how that, that manifests itself. You know how I know that player poll was accurate? New York uh, ended up both highly on the city I like to visit and the city I don't like to visit. And I can tell you, having lived here for a long time, that is 100% accurate. It is the best, worst place. The Washington Nationals, I went with 198. That is Sean Doolittle's expected weighted on base on his four-seam fastball, the best among any major league reliever, and he throws it 89% of the time. Um, I think I had probably named him like the best reliever in baseball last year. That might have been a little hot because then we saw what Diaz and Hayter did. Um, but yeah, I, I do. Uh, trying it. And then Doolittle got hurt. I get it. Um, but he's really, really good. And I think he's uh, you know a big part of that bullpen. And I think Probably my division pick. We'll get to that in a second after your number. There's no, probably no pitcher that, that sort of demonstrates the, the new reliance on breaking pitches more than uh, Patrick Corbin, who struck out 195 pitchers, pitch, batters on his slider last year, which was 71 more than any other pitch. 71. Jacob Junis was second with 100, 124. So Corbin throws a slider. He throws it a lot, and it is and it really is effective. They're big, they're big free agents. So they didn't keep Harper, but they did bring in Patrick Corbin. It happened so early in the offseason that people yeah. kind of forget about it. It's like, oh, they added a really good pitch. I think they had a good winter. I think people, they just look at them and say, oh, you know, they had a bad year, and they lost Harper, so they're going to be bad. And I don't really see it that way. I'm picking Washington to win the division. Um, I'm going to go Philly second, Mets third, Braves fourth, and Marlins fifth. Uh, I think I've got the exact same order as you. Okay. Well, that's easy, even though I know it won't end up that way because those top four teams could go in any direction whatsoever. Um, before we move on to the American League, National League picks, right? So you said Acuna's your MVP. I think uh, I tweeted these out, so now I need to remember them correctly. Uh, I had Harper as my MVP. I had Scherzer as my Cy Young. You same. also had Scherzer. Uh, I had oh I had I had Fernando Tatis Jr. as my rookie of the year, which I which I did do before it was announced he was going to make the roster, so I was happy with. I that. I had Pete Alonso as my pick, although I think if I had to pick now, knowing uh, Tatis isn't going to be on the opening day roster, I probably yeah. would have picked them. But I'll stick with Alonso. I think the path of playing time is there. He'll pro- if he if he if he plays, he'll hit home runs and maybe a little bit. We'll see. And I think I had Gabe Kapler as my manager of the year, but it doesn't matter because it's a fake award that is impossible to quantify. Who did you have as your manager? It doesn't matter. I think I probably had Gabe Kapler. Just because I think the they, plays are going to be better, and he'll yeah. get some credit for it. American League. Let's go to the American League West. Uh, the Houston Astros. I thought this one was pretty fun. My numbers are two numbers. First and first. The 2018 Astros had, on the pitching side, the highest percentage of pitches coming with two strikes. And on the batting side, the lowest percentage of pitches coming with two strikes. That is so cool. That is like, there's no better way to explain how you dominate a strike zone. And it really matters. Houston hitters had a 251 weighted on base with two strikes and a 402 when they don't have two strikes, uh, don't 
get into bad situations or if you're a pitcher get the hitter into bad situations it's obviously not easy to do um, but that's an amazing feat that you can pull off oh and they added Michael Brantley who had like a nine percent strikeout rate last year that's cool yeah they're a good team Uh, my fact was sort of in honor of uh, you Mike Mr. Curveball Spin Rate Guy Mr. Ryan Presley Guy Ryan Presley Guy Three thousand two hundred twenty-five as in RPMs. Ryan Presley, the second highest curve spin rate behind only Garrett Richards, who isn't going to pitch this year, um, and just ahead of your boy Seth Lugo. So the real new spin rate king in baseball is Ryan Presley. I'm really excited for Ryan Presley to have like this monster dominating year, and everyone who wasn't like paying attention to him at the end of last year saying, "Who's this guy? Where did he come from?" Uh, well, I, I had um the um. Someone keep it's like a, a non like at like avid friend fan friend of mine came up to me. It's like who's this Ryan Presley guy getting a two year extension? Like what's this, like what's this about? Like what, a thirty year old reliever? And yeah, like uh, he's good. Yeah, he's, he's really good. good. You should pay attention to him. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim twenty point one percent. That is mine, uh, and this actually kind of goes with this Astros fact. Andrew and Simmons had a the lowest percentage of plate appearances that made it to two strike counts. Only twenty percent of the time did he get into a two strike count. Um, he also rarely, if ever, struck out. And I really enjoyed kind of his conversion from like elite fielder meh hitter to kind of a valuable hitter, league average or slightly better. He's a big deal. And, um, you know, he's kind of got to be because even though they signed Mike Trout to a huge extension, that didn't make them better for this year. That just kept Mike Trout for many years to come. Yep. Um, my number is related to Matt Harvey, actually. Matt Harvey um, staying with spin rate. His spin rate last year in his curveball with the Reds, after he moved to the Reds, was a career high, 20, 25, uh, 2,554 RPMs. He also had a 32% whiff rate on it, which was uh, much higher than a slider at 26%. Point being, and David Adler wrote a pretty good piece about this, where he basically looked at, like, okay, is there any reason to think Matt Harvey could, like, forget what you know about Matt Harvey. Could he be effective? And he's a different pitcher now, but there's like a way to see. He, he actually threw, threw, threw harder with the Reds also than he had been with the Mets, but he's now a two seam. He's basically now maybe re- reinventing himself as like a two seam curveball guy and just, you know, probably more of like a, a mid rotation starter if all breaks right. But it's kind of interesting to see if he can do it because he's been losing spin rate on his four seamer for years. And I think he just finally realized, like, hey, I'm not going to miss bats with this pitch anymore. I need to change who I am. Uh, the Oakland Athletics, I went with 365. That was Chad Pinder's expected weighted on base, tied with guys like Juan Soto and Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo. If you look back over the last three years, he had the 39th best hard hit rate out of over 340 guys. It's kind of similar to Schwarber and Abreu. He's someone I've been talking up for a little bit. And he might get a little more playing time now because the A's are off to a really rough start. Uh, lost those two games in Japan. And then Matt Olson got hurt. So that's more time for Pinder. Uh, and uh, who am I trying to think of? Mark Kana, right? But um, I need they need Chad Pinder to have a If there was ever year. time for Chad Pinder to sort of shine, yeah. Yeah, this is it. Uh, you know, over years after Moneyball came out, there was a lot of jokes amongst baseball nerds of like, so-and-so is like the new market efficiency. Well, for my fact, I'm... Wondering if low fa- low fastball velocity pitchers are the new market efficiency. No, they're the not. They're not. <laughs> the A's have um, just signed uh, Marco Estrada, who had 88.5 miles per hour, had the second lowest four-seam velo in the majors last year behind Kyle Hendricks among pitchers with a minimum minimum of 500 four-seamers thrown. Number third on that list, Yusmero Petit, also on the A's. Number fourth on that list, Mike Fires, also on the A's. So I just found that really interesting. They hit two, three, four. Um, I think it's more just simple the fact that like the A's aren't going to be spending big on free agents, and a couple of those are free agents they brought in who didn't cost a lot but are crafty and can get guys out. Because the thing about Estrada and Fires is they're guys that still get guys out with their fastball because they do have high spin and they're good at working it up in the zone. Yeah, that, I believe that is really interesting. And, of course, you know it's a big field there, lots of foul territory. Um, I like that a lot. The next team, so I kind of tweeted out that I would tell you which team I struggled the most to find a fact for. Assuming everybody would think I was talking about Baltimore or Miami, I was not. I was talking about Seattle. I had a really hard time finding something interesting about the Mariners, and I went with 91. That was for Malik Smith. And that was a, a new metric we put up on baseball somehow called bolts. He had 91 bolts. What is a bolt, you say? Most times hitting 30 feet per second in sprint speed. So that's like our elite number. And the idea here is that, uh, excuse me, fourth most times. He did that the fourth most times of anybody last year. Trey Turner did it the most. D. Gordon did it seventh. Um, Alex Smith has elite speed, and he should probably, when he's healthy, be getting a great deal of playing time in Seattle. I think he's going. I think he's going to. Um, yeah, I had a hard time with the. I had to dig deep in the notes for this one, uh, and it has to do with uh, Zach Roskup, who uh, had a whiff rate of forty point one percent of the seven hundred and fourteen pitchers who induced one hundred and fifty swings. That was second only to Craig Kimbrell. So they have a, a reliever many of you have never heard of or probably are unfamiliar with. 
who is missing bats about as frequently as one of the most dominant relievers of all time. Former, I don't know, Dodger, Rocky, Cub legend, Zach Roscup. It's probably not healthy that I knew those things. Um, and then Texas, 100th percentile is mine. That is the hard hit rate of Jose Leclerc, 20%. He only gave up four barrels all year long. 98th percentile in strikeout, 99th percentile in forcing spin. I think we've been talking about him for like two years once he popped up on the spring late leaderboards. Absolutely dominant. I think I had him as like my fifth or sixth best reliever in baseball when I made those lists. Not enough people know the name. He's really good. Um, of course, for the Rangers, I was going to give a Joey Gallo fact. I love Joey Gallo. Um, his 25, 22.5% uh, barrel rate on batted balls was by far the highest in baseball. So basically, when he makes contact yeah well he the, barrels it up more than anyway the, the, the when is doing a lot of work yeah. there <laughs> when he makes content second on that list were max muncie max uh muncie and crush davis second at 16.9 percent gallo at 22.5 percent that's really impressive yes uh american league west i assume we're both going with the astros number one and then i went with uh oakland let's see i went with oakland the angels uh texas and seattle that's what i did um I th- think I had the same, although I'm kind of tempted to put the Angels second now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'll, I'll Olsen, hear that. The Olsen injury. Um, I'll buy it. You know, but uh, just sort of buying into just Trout being Trout. But uh, I, I, I hope at least they're, they're both those teams. I'd like to see both those teams really, uh, really compete for a playoff spot. Moving to the American League Central, and I, I think this is really interesting about the White Sox, and we'll probably talk about this more in depth at some point in the future. My number is 400. And that is Yuan Moncada's batting average before two strikes, which is top 10 in baseball. When he gets to two strikes, it's a 110 batting average, which is one of the worst in baseball. That is a gap of nearly 300 points, which is the highest on the one of the highest on the list. And I was, you know, we know he strikes out constantly. I was surprised to see how productive he is when he doesn't get to two strikes. I don't think it's as simple as just being more aggressive. You don't want to go after bad pitches. Um, but I found that fascinating. And he is a guy... You know, I've heard a lot of people talk about as a breakout pick. I still don't think the White Sox did enough this winter. But if he is the guy that they thought they were going to get when they traded for Chris Sale, that would be very intriguing. Yeah, I'm, I'm bullish on Moncada. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Um, he had the most strikeouts looking on pitches on the borderline, which suggests that maybe he got a little bit. By a lot. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so like that they're a bit unlucky there. And then also if you look at the arc of his season, he had a 97 weighted runs created plus where 100 is average. Hit 17 homers, had 12 steals. So like. There was this idea, yeah, people focus on the strikeouts, and they are alarming, but he's basically a league average hitter with all those strikeouts and some weird like weirdness going on with called strikes against him. Given his prospect pedigree and his athleticism and tools, um, I'm, I'm, I'm betting on, on Moncada. Moving on to the – oh, no, sorry. You have your own number for I the White Sox. Like sorry. How could I forget my boy Daniel Polka? <laughs> Nine, as in batted balls above 115 miles per hour. Daniel Polka was fourth in the majors in that category. So he hits the ball really, really hard. He's fun He's fun to watch. For those wondering, uh, John Carlos Stanton was first with 34. He's kind of in his own class. Judge was second with 11, but Judge also missed a big part of the year. Only 11. I think Fran Mil Reyes is on that list too somewhere. Uh, for Cleveland, I went with 104. That's Corey Kluber. Lowest batting average allowed on breaking balls. And uh, breaking balls is very specific there because it combines curveball and slider, which, you know, he has a pitch which kind of defies classification. He uh, obviously has been very good for a very long time. And, man, is he going to need to be because it's not looking great for Cleveland right now. Uh, Jose Ramirez is supposed to play on open day, I believe. But it was reported today that uh, Francisco Lindor, who was already on a rehab assignment, injured his ankle and will be out for, what, an indeterminate amount of time, I guess? Yeah, There's no time frame? I mean, it's, it's... I mean, what this team is good starting, very, very good starting pitching and two elite guys in the lineup. And now they've only got one of them, and he's kind of banged up. And the lineup really kind of falls off after those two guys. So there's a lot of reasons to, to, to be, uh, to be worried about them. I've been, I mean, I've been on the, the Twins quote unquote bandwagon for a while. You and I have kind of yeah. discussed this a few times on this podcast, and it's more my 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 feeling has always been more about being down on the Indians than it is being like thinking the Twins are great. And so like this only closes the gap on them. I'd actually. Pulled my fact is about. I'll stick with my fact, which is about Lindor Ramirez, because I pulled some interesting stuff on them. Um, which is that last year, Jose Ramirez led the majors with 33 pulled homers. Francisco Lindor was second with 27, which is really interesting because they're both switch hitters, so they both are clearly able to find a way to generate power pulling the ball, regardless of which side of the plate um, they're swinging from. And also for guys that aren't 
pure power guys are kind of able to it seems like they're they have like a, a formula for kind of getting the kind of like the way you know Dustin Pedroia used to a lot of home runs playing in Fenway Park where you can really pull it over the monster and they seem to have found a similar similar formula. I also looked up how rare it is to have two switch hitters this good. I use the old baseball reference uh, play index to find how often a team has had two players with an OPS plus above one thir- two switch hitters with an OPS plus above one thirty. And qualify and both qualified for the batting title, which is what the Indian those Lindor and Ramirez did last year, and it had not happened since Jorge Posada and Bernie Williams in 2000. Before that, it hadn't happened since Tony Phillips and Mickey Tettleton in 1993, and then you had the Orioles do it a bunch of times in the late 70s, early 90s, because Eddie Murray and Ken Singleton did it together, and Eddie Murray and Mike Young did it together one year. Um, but it's pretty rare, and uh, they are a unique duo. It's kind of unfortunate that uh, Lindor is going to miss some time. It's a bummer. He's fun to watch. It's in the interest of, of playoff races. It's good in the interest of having like the most exciting players in the field on the field. It's pretty un- unfortunate. Well, I, I agree with you on that. I'm I'm mostly just rooting for a you know playoff race in the Central because it's kind of been Cleveland and nobody else for the last couple of seasons. Uh, moving on to the Tigers, thirty-one percent is my number. That is Matthew Boyd's hard hit rate over the last two seasons, fifth lowest of any American League starting pitcher who has allowed at least seven hundred and fifty batted balls. I think that's kind of cool. If you also remember his velocity last year. Started out at 88 early in the year, and it kept going up and up and up and up. Was a little bit over 92 by the end of the season. That was one of the largest in-season gains. And, you know, the Tigers aren't going to be good. I think we all know that. But Matt Boyd is uh, is kind of interesting in this way that he can limit um, hard-hit baseballs. But I'm really more interested in yours because yours is about Miguel Cabrera. And I have to say, everyone's forgotten he exists. I'm still here for Miguel Cabrera. I think he's going to have a good year. Oh, this, this, actually, this, this might have been the most surprising of any of the stats that I found. Last year... Amongst players with a minimum of 100 batted balls, Miguel Cabrera still led the majors in hard hit rate at 54.6 percent, just ahead of Aaron Judge yes. at 54.1. So it just it just speaks to the fact that he still is really good at hitting. And then he had a freak injury, bicep, but like towards bicep, missed missed like you know three or four months. So he's looked good in spring. So there's reason to think he can still hit. Now even last year when he was hitting the ball hard, he wasn't really hitting homers. So I do wonder if maybe he's just you know not he's still gonna hit the ball hard just be more of like a doubles guy, you know, we're not, he's 35 now. So maybe we can't expect him to hit 35 home runs. Maybe it'll be 15 to 20, but he's still going to hit the ball hard. I still expect him to hit 300. So instead of it being like 300, 390, maybe it's, you know, 300, 370, 480, which is still a very good player. Yeah, he's, I completely agree. I do not think that he is cooked. Um, he might not be vintage Miggy, but he's still going to be, he's going to have to be their all-star. Like I, I guarantee it. Also American League first base is, kind of rough right now especially if Olsen is hurt um where are we going next oh Kansas City I think this one's fun my numbers here are 93 and 1 that is for Willie Peralta's fastball velocity 93rd percentile at a very good 96.2 miles an hour and spin rate first percentile that's kind of weird I don't usually see guys who throw the ball that hard with such little spin on it it's it's not like a perfect correlation, but it's not usually this extreme. And, you know, spin rate that low isn't a bad thing necessarily. It just kind of leads to sink. And I did not have the time to go look this up. But my assumption is that a guy like this uh, probably has been seen, you know, with that kind of velocity. And it's like you go after guys. You try to blow them away, not realizing that a ball with that low spin should probably be used low in the zone for like a Zach Britton grounder fest. Um, his larger problem is that he sh- he uh, walked like the entire sport last year. So he wasn't throwing strikes. Uh, but I think that was interesting. It's that I learned something about Peralta. I did not realize he was extreme in this way. And I think he's going to enter the season as the Kansas City closer. So he still get some shots in some big spots. Uh, my fact, also a, a Kansas City pitcher I learned about, is their uh, opening day starter, Brad Keller. Um, he was uh, fifth in ground ball percentage, minimum 50, 250 balls in play at 55.9%. And also sixth lowest in hard hit rate at 31.3%. So he's not the modern, quote-unquote, ace going to blow things past. I mean, I think he only struck out 96 guys in 140 innings. So, but he's kind of, he's he's zigging while everyone else is, or zagging while everyone else is zigging. Uh, I kind of like the classic uh, induced weak contacts uh, ground ball guy. My, my twin stat was more entertaining 24 hours ago. Because my number now is one. 24 hours ago, it was zero. And I will explain why. One, combined walk and strikeout. In 51 spring training appearances, plate appearances for Williams Astudio, who hit 314, 333, 471. Yes, it is one walk. The one on Monday in the AAA game versus Rochester doesn't count. 
but he walked again yesterday and it was zero and i thought that was super cool um i think everybody knows the legend of astadio by now he doesn't strike out he doesn't walk he makes a ton of contact he can catch he can play the infield he's on the roster and um he is i think everyone's like greatest hope for something cool and interesting for this year yes for sure he's uh he's the internet's uh, new favorite baseball player my twins fact is 30.5 as in 30.5 feet per second that was byron buxton's sprint speed last year which was still the highest in the majors ahead of roman quinn at 30.2 feet per second even in a down year with injuries and all sorts of other stuff going on buxton's still kind of the the in terms of pure speed the fastest guy in the game he's finally healthy in spring i still believe all right, this, this is my last year. After this year, I may have to get the bandwagon. I'm staying on the bandwagon for one more year. Oh, I, I mean, I, I just want that. That's what yeah. I want. American League Central. I'm I'm still gonna pick Cleveland, but I don't feel great about it. Twins second. Uh, you know, the other three teams in any order you want. I will pick Tigers third because somebody has to be third. White Sox, Royals. So Cleveland, Minnesota, Detroit, Kansas City, Chicago. Uh, I think this is one we're gonna differ a little bit. I'm going Twins. Okay. I got Twins, Indians, White Sox, Tigers, Royals. Okay. That is interesting. Like, I, I hope that happens. Like, I'm kind of sick of seeing Cleveland win it here. And finally, the American League East, Baltimore, definitely one of the 30 teams. I went with uh, 158. That is the expected weighted on base on Dylan Bundy's. I'm combining cutter and slider here. Best in, Amer- in the majors among starting pitchers were that pitch type. He allowed a 590 slugging percentage on his other pitches. That's not good. And only a 370 slugging percentage. On this pitch, Dylan Bundy um, has not really lived up to expectations, but he's got this one very good pitch, and I'm interested to see if he can maybe take advantage of it. He will certainly – the rotation spot is his this year. <laughs> yes. Andrew Kashner on opening day in the Bronx. <laughs> um, my uh, my Orioles fact is one, as in 1%. Paul Fry had the lowest barrel rate of all pitchers with 100 batted balls allowed, uh, uh, allowed last year. He had allowed one barrel – in 104 batted balls, that was the lowest rate in the majors. And Richard Blyer, another one of the relievers, was fourth in that category at 1.8. So, Orioles bullpen, maybe they still have Michael Givens. Yeah. There may be some reasons for them to be did you, not, not bad. Did you know who Paul Fry was 48 hours ago? I did not. Okay, just checking. Uh, the Boston Red Sox, uh, I probably don't need to expand on this one too much if you've listened to this show at all. My number is 49.6%. Jackie Bradley's hard hit rate, 96 percentile. He was actually the best in baseball from June 1st on at 55 percent uh, hard hit we've been over this great defender elite hard hit rate starting to work on improving his swing with the guys who helped Chris Taylor and JD Martinez I am all in on a Jackie Bradley breakout this year uh, my number is to do with JD Martinez as we discussed earlier barrels is a stat cast metric we introduced um, that measures basically high quality of contact guarantee all but guaranteed to be an extra base hit JD Martinez has 251 barrels since stat cast began in 2015 that is the most in the majors not Stanton, not Nelson Cruz. It is J.D. Martinez, 251. He also led the majors last year with 69. Uh, going back to 2015, Cruz is second at 243, and Chris with a K. Davis is third. Or no, he's tied. Sorry. Davis and Cruz are tied for second at 243. He's he's very good, is yeah. what you're saying. Great. Um, I liked this one. This is the Yankees one. My number here is 101, and that is the expected weighted on base on Araldis Chapman's slider. That was the best of any major league reliever slider, which is cool. You're always thinking about his fastball. He started throwing his slider more last year at 25%. I really love this idea of him working in uh, a kind of a breaking pitch. And I thought this was cool from Sarah Langs, who's one of our newer uh, members of the team. She asked uh, Darren Wilman to put a metric called put-away pitches on Savant, which he did. And it's basically when you get to two strikes, how often do you end that at a bat right there? How often do you get the strikeout? Chapman's 57% on sliders is the best. No one else was above 40 Forty-seven percent. That's awesome. Throw that slider. It's clear batters are like totally having to gear up for the fastball, and they get the slider. And you know, as you've seen those those gifts that the uh, pitching ninja does, where it comes yeah. out of his hand, it's like, oh, this looks like it's the same pitch. Wait, no, it's gonna hit my back foot. Um, if you're right, that is. Uh, my Yankees fact has to do with Masahiro Tanaka, thirty-two percent. That is the lowest fastball usage among 150 pi- 115 pitchers with 2,000 pitches thrown. Uh, Lance McCullers was second at 35.8%. So basically, I mean, like, Tanaka has all but abandoned throwing a fastball. He's basically a junk baller now. Granted, the splitter is really good. Well, are you are you talking about four-seam fastballs yes. here? Okay. So, yeah, so, I'm not, so Yes, I'm not talking about... Uh, split figure. Yes. Yeah, got it. Um, so, I, th- I mean, it splits, it's not really a fastball. It's a different... It's basically... A cha- it's more of a change-up than anything else. Sure. And we need different, different. You just called a splitter, <laughs> uh, split fingered fastball. But uh, he's he's kind of a junk baller now. He's still effective. Uh, the Yankees' pitching depth is shaky with Severino out, 
Sabathia kind of bang, been bang, a little banged up, and then you know we've talked about before about Tanaka pitching with supposedly like a partially partial tear was for that, like four years. Four years ago now, and it, so he's, he's, he's like ma- he's maintained being effective, but he ne- hasn't really been you know quote unquote an ace. But uh, he still he still does it. Uh, for Tampa Bay, I thought about Yandy Diaz, but we've been over that. I went with eighty four point one miles per hour. That is the exit velocity of Chaz Rowe. Uh, that is 99th percentile, fifth best of 378 guys who allowed 125 batted balls. I like Chaz Rowe because his name is Chaz. We don't have enough Chazes in baseball. But also, if you've seen his Frisbee slider, it's like right up there with Adam Adovino in terms of just like the wildest movement. And I've always wanted him to have like that season. He's been on like 25 teams. Tampa Bay is the team for him. And I'm really hopeful he can kind of like break out as a monster. Uh, I see. It. He's fun. Yeah, Adovino is a great comp for him. Uh, my number is... Um... 51.7, that is Blake Snell's whiff rate on breaking balls. That was second only to Patrick Corbin. He was also second to Chris Sale in overall whiff rate. So right now, Blake Snell, I mean, not surprising, was the AL Cy Young winner, is as dominant a pitcher as it basically there is. How about that? Finally, the Toronto Blue Jays, my number was 52.6%. Kendris Morales' hard hit rate, that's 99th percentile. That's the third best among all qualifiers. Uh, in the first half, not so good. Hit 319, weighted on base. Remember he had that week where he hit like eight homers in eight days or, or whatever it ended up being? Um, 343, weighted on base. I think he did seven straight games, one short, yeah, one it, short of the record, which is eight. He's, listen, he is never going to get, he's never going to realize the full production of his hard hit because he's really slow. He gets shifted on constantly, um, but he still crushes the ball really hard, and I appreciate that. Yes, and uh, my uh, fact is has to do with Marcus Stroman and Clayton Richard. Uh of the 169 pitchers who allowed 250 batted balls last year, Marcus Stroman led Major League Baseball with a 63.8% ground ball rate. Second on that list, his new teammate, Clayton Richard, 57.7%. So we're going to see a lot of ground balls in Toronto this year. The turf up there is actually plays kind of slow. Um, so depending on the quality of their infield defense, uh, that could be good things for Stroman and, uh, and Richard. American League East, I went with Yankees, Red Sox, Rays, Jays, Orioles. Um, I last year I went with the Red Sox. I stuck with the Red Sox despite all the the haters, and I'm gonna stick with the Red Sox again this year. I'll take Red Sox, Yankees, Rays, Jays, Orioles. Um, I think we forgot in the National League wild card teams. My my wild card teams were um Philadelphia and uh Cubs. I went Philadelphia and St. Louis. Okay, and then the American League mine will be the Yankees. No, sorry, the Red Sox and the Rays. Um, I had Yankees. I'm trying to think of what I had for my second wild card team. Cle- Cleveland, probably, right? Uh, I think no, I think of the Rays. You went with Rays yeah. and Yankees. Okay, so yeah. kind of similar. Yankees for the you know the Yankees basically own the wild card game. Yeah, and then for the third straight year, and I can't tell you how many Dodger fans I heard from about this. I went with uh, Astros over the Dodgers in the World Series, and they're like, "Please, we cannot. We're not the Buffalo Bills. We cannot lose again in the World Series." Uh, I think I had the Astros over the Cubs. Okay, and then American League uh, awards. I went with Mike Trout because you have to. Like, it could be Mookie Betts. Like, fine, but. Mike Trout, yeah. Mike yeah. Trout. Uh, Justin Verlander, I didn't feel great about picking like a 36-year-old pitcher, but he's awesome, so yes. I picked Sale because I feel like he's got to win the Cy Young at least at some point. I think I pick him every year, and then he finishes like second or third, or looks like yeah. he looks like the cl- clear winner through August 1st, and then like either he falls off a little bit or Kluber, you know, Kluber, uh, Kluber uh, goes out. I mean, it's pretty funny that on his team he's got Porcello has a Cy Young yeah, award. Price. Price has a Cy Young award. He does not have one. Well, I'm waiting for Eduardo Rodriguez to win one this year. And uh, rookie, I went with, all caps, Vlad. I know he's not up yet. I don't care. I think I went with Eloy knowing that he'd be on the roster. Uh, see, that's cheating. Because I, I did it before he uh, got it asked. But anyway, I went with Vlad. Um, you know, manager of the year, I probably went with AJ Hinch. Who cares? It doesn't matter. That is our show for this week. This is a lot of fun. We really enjoyed going through 60 different StatCast facts. Uh, the season starts tomorrow. And the next time we talk, we will have had actual games and real data. I can't wait. Thanks for listening. This is the MLB.com StatCast podcast.